Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Business of Customer Love podcast, brought to you by Mention Me. I'm your host, Simeon Atkins, and thanks for joining us today. Growing your brand through customer love might seem like an idea that belongs in the company cafe rather than the boardroom. But identifying, growing, and activating a base of loyal fans is serious business, and the results of harnessing customer advocacy can be truly transformational for both your company and your customers. We gather experts from across the space to shine a light on how you can unleash a virtuous cycle of sustainable organic growth where your best customers keep coming back and bringing their friends too. So let's get into today's episode. So I'm excited to be joined today by Josh Garalick, who is co-founder and CEO of Arctic Leaf. Josh, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Simeon. Uh, super excited about the partnership that we've been able to foster and create with Mention Me and Arctic Leaf. Uh, a little bit about myself and Arctic Leaf. Um, serial entrepreneur, grew up uh, you know, building companies. Uh, the agency Arctic Leaf is 13 years old. It's actually a byproduct from a cross-border merger back in 2017. We highly focus on e-commerce uh, store development, so everything from design, development, implementation, retention marketing, bottom funnel marketing. And uh, the company houses over 65 staff full-time over three countries and generally work with mid-market brands anywhere in any companies or merchants that are doing anywhere to around 10 to $25 million online and then $50 million on, offline and up. So it's a little bit about Arctic Leaf and, and what we do and a little bit about myself. Um, very excited to be here. I, I've known you for a little while. I've known Alex for a long time. So I feel like this is just a natural extension for us to just have a very kind of just fun, informal conversation about some of the things that are going on in the industry. Absolutely. And to that point uh, today, we're going to be focusing around um, how brands can drive increased profitability and incremental revenue across their customer base um, by delivering exceptional e-commerce experiences. Um, Yeah. Just before we go into that, as tradition on the show, to get things kicked off, I'd love for you to share a time recently where, as a consumer, you've experienced customer love firsthand and really what impact that had on you as a consumer. Yeah, I think the last one, I, it's it, the brand is Herschel. Um, so we've all known those guys. Um, I bought a bag online. Um, they, it showed up. It was not the right size or it felt like it was a lot smaller. And then... Um, you know, there was all these extra shipping fees and things like that to send it back. And because I had been purchasing a number of uh, number of bags from them over the years, uh, when I emailed in, they were actually like, hey, you know what, here's a free shipping, you know, send it back. And then they actually gave me an additional 15% off uh, on the, the bag that I did want because they didn't have the right color. So like they just really went above and beyond. And just the communication, they over communicated with me like crazy. And it was honestly just... I even said to them, I think I still have the email. I'm like, that was probably one of the best customer experiences that I've ever had. You guys literally responded within hours or minutes of my email. And it was dealt with and addressed within a matter of like 24 hours. And I, and I got a, you know, a nice little discount and, and a nice little present out of, out of the whole situation. So just, uh, just to really, I think that was probably the best experience. And then if you fast forward, they had integrated with one of these type of uh, tracking platforms like route. So I was able to like really see in real time where everything was coming. And it just, uh, to me, that really resonated that it was just, it was a phenomenal experience. Just, just how, how that whole interaction happened. So, yeah. 
I love that example. Was there anyone in particular out of interest that you dealt with? Um, and, and the reason I ask that is that um, a lot of these examples that I hear from um, from guests on the show generally kind of center around an individual that's like really made that experience come to life. Was that the same in your experience? Yeah, it was one customer service representative, the person that I that I got, they just went above and beyond. They they checked in, they asked like even when I got the bag, they checked back in, they're like, Did it meet your expectations? Was it the right size? Anything else we can do? And and that just to me that was you know, I first of all the product's amazing. They have they have phenomenal products. Um, but I think just the fact that they went above and beyond on the customer experience side and really followed up to make sure that I was happy. Um really put that above and beyond other brands that I've, that I've purchased with before. So um, whoever, I can't remember the person's name, but they definitely did a great job of, of retaining me as a client, probably a long time client. And, you know, definitely we're talking about uh, ECR here today. So definitely go out and take a look at Herschel. So, <laughs> so they're getting the, they're getting the brand love. <laughs> so Fabulous example. Thank you, Josh. Yeah. Um, yeah. So obviously Arctic Leaf, works very closely and supports um crm and loyalty teams customer experience professionals yeah. uh, from a range of different businesses um and i'd be really curious to know from working with these individuals and teams closely what do you see are the main challenges facing them today you know i think that's a phenomenal question and i and i had a number of different answers for this and i was trying to think to myself okay where should i go and i it kind of just popped into my head. I think the, the hardest thing I think for a lot of the CX professionals today is that there's actually so much to factor in to that experience. Um, there's just so many pieces when you actually think about an e-commerce store, right? You distill it down, you have a platform, and then within that platform, you have a variety of different applications and third-party solutions that are trying to invoke a certain response or emotional response to ultimately get the customer to convert. And what that means is, sure, you have a, a site on Shopify or BigCommerce or Magento or whoever, and then you know, you're know you going through the experience and then you have to factor in reviews, right? You have to factor in UGC, so user-generated content. Are you bringing, where are you putting that? How are you putting that? Is it enough to reinforce the brand? So I think there's just a, a, to me, it's like, it's a lot to factor in. And as your brand grows, the experience level actually is more important than anything else. So like really taking the time to thinking through a long tail strategy of what is the emotional response or what is the outcome that you are actually looking for to drive while you working with these all within the confines of a platform, but now having to bring in all of these different supporting actors quote unquote right um sure out of the box solutions native stuff is great but like you need an esp you need reviews ugc content merchandising personalization so i think just e-commerce has gotten harder right it's actually gotten easier but it's gotten harder as you scale up so i think just really that's my my biggest fear is that there's so much out there and there's so much that you have to know and look through that it could be challenging to to really think through the CX and the customer experience because there's just so many factors that need to be taken into account. Like I think right before today's right before the call today, we talked about social impact and environmental impact, right? Like 
where does that fit on the totem pole in everything that you're doing in this, right? So it's just, I think that's my biggest, my, my fear. And I think the challenges that they're facing is just, there's so much to factor in that, that it almost becomes overbearing, right? And I guess from what you're saying as well, it's, it's, prioritizing as well because there's no way they can do everything so it's understanding what's going to have the biggest business impact well, they, no, they, they want to do everything <laughs> so, and everything should be factored in but it's it's i think the biggest thing is just is actually taking a step back ten thousand foot view and saying okay we know we need all of these right but how do they all work together and how do we what is the end outcome and solution that we're trying to do and then kind of work backwards saying okay where do we start you know um you know, when do we ask someone for a review? When do we ask them for a promotion? When do we ask them for a referral, right? Like all these things factor in, but you can't even do that if the experience sucks, right? So starting from the beginning, best practices, good user flows, making sure the messaging is on point, um, tool tips, making sure that people understand your products, uh, and then ultimately all the other stuff that comes with it, um, you know, retention and referrals and, and all that stuff so i think just it's just a lot it's just a lot to to take in and i think that's to me that's i think the biggest challenge is how do you make all these systems work to ultimately drive the response that you're looking to accomplish absolutely um now just to shift gears slightly um an area that i know that you're um a particular expert in um and pretty expert passionate a, about <laughs> experts a, a loose term but so. uh, well I'm, I'm happy to build you up to that that's fine uh, no pressure um is around this idea of network marketing and network marketing is obviously not something new but i think from from chatting with you off air it's something that is um let's say perceived differently by different people and there's probably a lot of uh, misconceptions and confusion around it so um Firstly, I'd love to kind of get your view on what exactly network marketing is and what value it can drive ultimately for businesses. First of all, I love network marketing because it is the oldest form of sales. It is old school sales 101. It's referral selling. It is branching out to your network. It's going out, hosting parties, going to events, using all the digital strategies. But, you know, my my passion about network marketing is that it's relationship building and it's the like i said it's the oldest form of of selling <clears throat> and if you actually look at a lot of the um a lot of the technology uh that we're seeing today has been a fostered and adopted and built out through network marketing because they're always looking to push the boundaries network marketing is the wild wild west i mean like let's be honest like it's like it's it's you're gonna have some phenomenal companies there's very reputable ones you know Beachbody as an example has been around you know for ages p90x right if you haven't done that program it does work <laughs> so um but uh and then you have some really obviously shady network marketing companies so i think a lot of it is just is you hear more about the negative than the positive so there's a negative stigma around network marketing oh it's a ponzi scheme so I can tell you, yes, there are definitely companies that that run these programs that are that are quote unquote not above board. But I can tell you, as someone who ran a legal compliant network marketing company, if you do it right, um, you can foster phenomenal, phenomenal salespeople and people that believe in your brand and push it. You know, so for example, in Canada, for you to even sell 
as a network marketing business model, you need to submit your compensation plan to the Competition Bureau of Canada, and they need to evaluate it and give you an, a quote unquote, a positive opinion or approval before you can actually go to market. We're in the United States, very different. It's the wild, wild west. You go to market, you do whatever the heck you want, and then someone slaps you on the wrist, right? So I think that was something very different for us. When I started network marketing, I started out of Canada first. So I knew that I was compliant and I really moved into the US and I knew that like the FDA pulled all our products at the border when we shipped it in and did a full analysis, testing, claim review, all of the stuff which we passed with flying colors. Um, but a lot of these companies start in the U.S. and and they don't they don't do any of these compliance reviews and things like that, which ultimately give a negative stigma uh, around network marketing. But what I love about it is there's just it fosters sales, it fosters networking. It's the oldest way of selling, right? I think it's like 85 or 92 percent of people are more likely to buy from someone that they refer to, right? If I'm on a you know one of the products we were running. Or when I started, it was it was in the nutritional supplement products. So you actually were able to see the impact that people were having using our products. So if you go to a party and you hang out with a couple of friends and now you're down 15, 20 pounds because of the program you're using, now you have brand reinforcement. Oh my God, Josh, you look fantastic. What did you do? Simeon, you've been working out? You know, what, what's, what are the products? Tell me. Like, they want to know, right? So, and it's just a natural extension. Now you have the, oh, I feel great. My ego, the endorphins are running, the dopamine's hitting. So now you're going to be smiling. You're going to be laughing. You're going to be talking about the brand in a positive format. Um, and, and ultimately, you know, you're going to be able to hopefully be able to sell to another individual and get volume and hopefully be able to commission up and, and make more money. So to me, it's, it's anyone can do it. Uh, it's exciting. It's different. Um, but again, it's, yes, there's negative stigma and it's just something that, that unfortunately every industry has negative stigma. So, but if you can show that it's a brand that that's doing things by the book and clean products or organized, the founders are sincere. Uh, I think that it's a phenomenal way that you can, you can drive additional revenue in your business and take, take something that was never there before and, and, and scale, you know, it's, you know, most traditional businesses have what, one, two, three, five sales reps. Like you can have thousands of sales reps all over the world selling your product. It's the dream. You wake up in the morning and you have sales, right? Like you, you make money while you sleep. So um, to me, it's exciting. It's just um, uh, something that, that obviously do your homework if you're going to look at network marketing or foster some of these ideas. But uh, I think it just drives sales. It drives network. It drives excitement. You go to these events. People are happy. They're smiling. They're you know hugging. They're high fiving. Like that's energy, right? Energy creates momentum. Momentum creates excitement. Excitement creates emotion. Emotion creates money, right? So that's what I love about it. So this idea of your your customers being your sales force essentially. So to your point, you might only have an official sales team of five people, but yeah, actually exactly. you can harness these fans all across the world to essentially be your sales force. And um, and just to kind of expand on that point, um, you know, most brands, I'm sure you're finding this as well, are still perceiving their most valuable customers as the ones that are spending the most. They'll be really focusing on rfm models to essentially identify who their most valuable customers are and target them appropriately but um can you speak a little bit more about the importance of recognizing the additional revenue that your customers are bringing in through their referrals and therefore the importance of not just recognizing your biggest spenders but actually your biggest advocates within your base as well yeah 
and I think something like network marketing really fosters that and it gives you um, it gives you insight into that. So it's actually quite interesting. So in network marketing, the biggest spender is usually not the biggest network earner, right? It's usually that's someone who's spending a lot of money on the product. They obviously like it, but um, they're out there networking, pushing. And what's, what I love about um, the network marketing business model is you can actually see the genealogy tree. So you can actually see where this individual fits in the in the in the in the network and then how much impact they are actually having how much revenue or impact they're actually having on your overall genealogy tree um or your ladder for more simple simplistic terms so uh this is not anything new in the network marketing space it's actually quite new in more traditional e-commerce that's kind of what mention me is doing being able to see that that impact on your network effect by an, an overall individual so um, I think that, you know, understanding your network effect is massive because sure, LTV is important, but if, you know, I may never, I may buy a product on, like I just gave the Herschel example, right? Like this podcast may be shown to thousands or thousands of people that may all of a sudden hear, holy moly, Josh has had this phenomenal experience with Herschel. I may have only spent a hundred dollars in the last year, but now what did that potentially just do? Right. So, and it's, it's, so if you're able to create brand advocates, they're going to talk about your brand everywhere they go. Right. If you think of Malcolm Gladwell's tipping point, right. The whole hush puppy example, like a bunch of people, a bunch of teenagers wearing hush puppies in Brooklyn, New York. And then all of a sudden they started telling friends, they started telling friends, they started telling friends, basically rebuilt the whole brand. Like we're like hundreds of millions of dollars from simply people wearing hush puppies in Brooklyn. Right. So I think it's just a, it, it, Brand advocates are massive, and to be able to track that, like something like Mention Me does, like that, that gives you insight into into potentially creating a lookalike audience. You can feed that into your social into your social spends. You can feed that back into your retention marketing. So you have now an ability to actually build out character traits of who are your best brand advocates they may not be spending the most amount of money but they may be generating the most amount of money so if you can create that um that would be massive uh and then be able to create a lookalike audience to ultimately find similar character traits and similar people to go out and do that i mean i think red bull did a phenomenal job on that right i mean they had people just walking around everywhere with the red bull bag and handing out red bulls to everyone um and i don't even think half of those people were ever paid they just got free red bull but uh yeah so i I think just just brand advocates are massive like they they do so much um you know and then being able to track that uh more effectively and and put them into into a way to actually target more people that that kind of look like this particular character traits just huge it's a game changer in my opinion right because your advocates are going to generate a hell of a lot more money than your highest spenders, 100%. And, and the examples you've given there were, were really good. Um, and I think it makes sense. You know, there's so many products out there that you just through pure necessity, you won't necessarily need to be buying on a regular basis. So just looking through the lens of how much that individual is, is spending themselves is obviously relatively limited. But as you were saying there, if they love the product, they almost become an extension of that that company. What we were saying before, becoming that additional sales force, and they're bringing in that extended revenue through their referrals and more people coming in. 
Um, so yeah. yeah, I think you did a really, really nice picture, a really nice job of painting that picture. Yeah. I mean, there's this concept. <clears throat> um, so there's this concept that I was going to talk about in network marketing and I've yet to see it done in a traditional e-commerce model. And hopefully one day, maybe I'll actually get to do it myself. But in, in network marketing, there is this three for free product or three for free bonus that if you're a distributor and you go out and you get three customers um, that buy product, this is how I did it. So I'll just give my example. So I don't want to speak for anyone else. Uh, that's more of my philosophy is I had to speak from my own experiences. So what I did was, and to be compliant, I came out and said, if, if a distributor or an executive goes out and gets three customers on auto ship, on subscription, we will take the average order value of all three subscriptions and then give a product discount value back to that overall individual. So you think about that, right? Simeon, you're a distributor. You go out, you get Josh and Akina and Mary and and you get us all to buy and we all buy a hundred bucks worth of product. You're now going to get a hundred dollars a month worth of free product credit every single month. So all that's going to do is what's that's doing. You're advocating for the brand. You've now been selling. You now get free product, which ultimately gives you more samples and more product to go out and advocate for more, more individuals. So as you keep getting more and more customers, you keep getting more product that you can have and then go out and build your business. So I just, I love that model because it it it's just it's pure advocation right it's it's pure excitement for the brand and there's a significant positive impact for the advocator right may not be monetary sure it helps in other ways and bonuses and volume and all that stuff but like now you're actually getting product which ultimately you can use to achieve your goals and then ultimately then you show successes you have more ability to sell you get more customers you get more product more ways to advocate so it's just this, it's a, it's a happy medium and like really nice harmony of how this all works. So that's just something I like, I, I just haven't seen it yet in, in an e-commerce, traditional mainstream e-commerce model. I have yet to see anyone do a three for free product model. Why Someone do you think do that it. is out of interest? Why do you think I that think is that, out of interest? I think that it's, I, first of all, I don't think a lot of people know, right? Like I think that network marketing, this is very known, but you know, because it has a negative stigma that might be a position or might have an impact saying, Hey, you know what, maybe I'm doing something wrong. Maybe it's a little bit scammy. Maybe this is, I, I don't know how to explain it. Maybe there's no way to track it. Right. So maybe they're just having they, like, you know, network marketing has a whole different set of tool systems that, that are not really, you don't really get in the mainstream market. So it might just be that there's no way to actually track that and or display that in a way right it's like where did you fall in the genealogy tree how much volume did you get and then this is the product credit you're going to get back i don't know i i just i haven't seen it very interesting um someone should do it though yeah well (laughs) i'm looking at you josh i'm looking at you to push it you've uh you've set yourself up there um i did did. we've covered some amazing ground today um just in closing, um, I'd love to get your thoughts around how you've seen or how you would advise customer experience teams to build an effective um, use case that they can sell to the business, right? So they can get more resource, they can get more focus and more importance placed on generating and building a better customer experience that will ultimately mean that they can build 
their base of brand advocates? Yeah, um, I, I think it always starts with an MVP, right? Like, you know, it's it's so easy to try to come out of the gate with this, like, oh, we're gonna we're gonna reinvent the wheel, best thing since sliced bread. Like, you guys don't know, right? It's all a guessing game. Yes, use data science, use information, but I think the brands that are hitting it right is they're constantly innovating they're constantly testing they're tweaking things it could just be literally like changing a button from a square button to a round button and testing that this goes back years ago when i was doing social games and i remember testing an ad where i had it was a yellow ad versus a blue ad yellow ad didn't convert for anything the blue ad like just went through the roof right so I think it starts from the top. I think it's looking at your overall understanding of where you want to get to with your brand. The type of the, the, the brand voice is a very important piece as well. How do you portray your brand? The words that you use actually have a massive impact. Um, you know, this is just even from a personal development standpoint. If you keep saying to yourself, well, I'm dumb, like you're basically reinforcing that you're, you're not smart. Whereas like if you just rechain it, if you refocus that, that can all of, a sudden, all of a sudden have a significant impact. So I think that it starts small. I think it's taking a 10,000 foot view, um, talking to your customers as well. That's a, you know, everyone, a lot of people have been talking about that for a long time, but like actually pulling your customers. Hey, what do you like about the brand? What's the experience been working? So start capturing that data and then start tweaking, making some modifications, test and repeat, use Hotjar, use these different tools that are going to allow you to actually watch and experience how your customers are engaging with your brand. Uh, but to me, it's a, it's the strategy. It starts from the top. It's, it's understanding your why, what is your objective? What are you trying to accomplish? And then working backwards to get there. Right? So it's, it's a user story, right? What does the user want to do? How do you want to get them there? And then it's like, how do I then, you know, put the steps in place to do so? But I don't think it's this, now, if it's if it's a brand that clearly needs a major overhaul, right? That's one thing. But if you're an experienced brand and you're looking to tweak, then I think it's just taking a step back, talking to your customers, and then making micro modifications rather than a massive overhaul. Um, I think that that's going to give you a little bit more understanding into the impact that's having on your overall conversion, <clears throat> advocates. Um, you know, obviously like something like mention me, you bring mention me into the mix. There's a lot that platform can do, right? But do you go out of the gate and try to do everything? Or do you say, well, you know what? I'm going to focus on a couple of these small points over here and let's see what that does. Let's get the data. Let's start putting me into segments. Let's create a lookalike audience. Like it's, it's a strategy to me. It's top level down strategy and then micro tweaks and micro adjustments. Josh, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Simeon. Appreciate it. You've been listening to the Business of Customer Love podcast hosted by Mention Me. Thanks for tuning in and be sure to join us next time where we'll be speaking to some more amazing guests about how you can harness the power of customer love. See you again soon.